This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 18, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New for this year, 2017 opening day rosters, historic Negro League integration, run the ultimate what-if scenarios, tournaments, fall leagues, a redesigned injury system, an improved 3D game, real-time presentation, and game highlights, improved player morale, and team chemistry, and so much more. Out of the Park Baseball 18 has the full sleeper in the bus stamp of approval. We all play it and have for years. Even better, if you buy now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, and just enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout to not only get a discount, but also help support the Sleeper in the Bus, indie sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 18. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout for a special discount and to support our show. Guys, I, I'm obsessed with this game. It is so much fun. Um, I played a lot of OOTP17. You guys have heard me talk about my Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash pspore24. I was streaming my 17 franchise over there. I, I, I did a fantasy draft in 1995. I was able to get Ken Griffey Jr., and Pedro Martinez. I don't know what the computer was thinking there, uh, letting letting both of those guys get there. I took Pedro with my first pick, and then and then got Ken Griffey Jr. I haven't started my new eighteen one for um, for streams yet, but I'm going to. And I'm actually just gonna gonna start over. I, I I won the World Series that first year with the with the seventeen team, but I'm gonna start a new one. We'll do the draft at some point soon, so stay tuned for that. But out of the park is is just so much fun. You've heard me talk about. Uh, other baseball video games I like, they're, they're two different experiences. This is the sim, in-depth, management sort of deal, and then the other game is, is playing. So um, I absolutely love this game. One last time, ootpdevelopments.com. Sleeper18 is, is your discount code. Uh, that lets them know that we, that we sent you there, and they give you a little bit of uh, a little bit off the top as well. If you do play the game, let me know. Let me know what you're doing with it. Let me know what, uh, what team you're going with, whether you're starting historically or going from now. Uh, if you do the fantasy draft, hit me up on Twitter, at Spora. I love kind of seeing how people go because it, it doesn't just play out 100% to, to history. Things can change and you can have guys you know you can have a failed prospect that actually pans out for you so i I love seeing that stuff definitely hit me up there um and 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 thanks for supporting the show by by going to ootpdevelopments.com Welcome to episode 452 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, May 2nd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by nobody. It's a solo episode. It's our first solo episode of the season. And today we're going to be talking pitching. I've got, uh, let's see, 10 players, 10 pitchers whose values have changed for me after the first month, right? Now, I like to practice patience. I don't want to get too crazy uh, over the small samples of a couple weeks or, or even a full month. 
and and make wild changes that I'm going to regret and say, well, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have moved him in the first place. But I think I've got ten guys here who have shown skill changes on the positive or negative that uh, that merit a change to their uh, to to their ranking to their to their value as we go forward here for the next five months. So uh, again, we've got five on the positive side, five on the negative side. Let's just go ahead and dive in. Let's start on the positive end. I've got five guys here who uh, who I'm moving up. I'm moving up the rankings. And the first one is Dallas Keuchel. Talked a little bit about this uh, on other episodes about how I felt about him. And my biggest concern was I thought the shoulder was going to be an issue from the jump. You know, I, I wasn't sure that he was coming into the season healthy. And so he wasn't some somebody I wanted to uh, bet on right away if we're already starting from an injured spot. And so that was my concern. That's why I was down on him. I had Dallas Keuchel 49th in the uh, in the last starting pitcher ranking update. I was the lowest on the team. We had uh, Justin Mason at 47th and Brad Johnson at 42nd, kind of right there with me. But then, um, let's see here. We had Jeff and Mike at 26 and 29, respectively. And Al had him up at 19. So now... I do know that they're they're not more numbers based, and so the fact that he's had so many good, you know, two excellent seasons in fourteen and fifteen certainly helped him. And then if you kind of if you kind of dig into last year, his skills weren't that far off. Uh, even though Keiko had a four fifty five ERA, he didn't really pitch like a four fifty five guy. But there was an injury aspect. I think if I think if you take what he did last year and how the league adjusted to him, and you give him and you give him perfect health. He would have been a mid to upper threes guy. That that's how I feel. The way the league was adjusting to him and the way his stuff looked, that's where Keiko is. However, now we're seeing the stuff, at least in the, in the couple starts I've seen, uh, look a lot like fifteen. The, the, that two seamer is is absolutely dancing and just falling off the table. The slider's devastating. Uh, the cutter, they are distinct, by the way. The slider and cutter are two distinct pitches. Uh, the the changeup falls off the table. So he's got, he's really only got the two velocity levels. It's kind of upper 80s for the for the two-seamer and the cutter, and then upper 70s for the changeup and the slider. But the movement and command of, of all four uh, really keeps Keiko working. He's got a swinging strike rate back up, actually a career high right now, 11%. The strikeout and walk ratios are, are, are right in line with, with what he's been. You know, he's, he's a low 20 something strikeout guy and a, a five, five to 7%, somewhere in that range for his walks. And right now he's at 22% strikeout, 7% walk, 11% swinging strike. So Keiko looks healthy. He's been brilliant. I've I've mentioned this before too. This is a guy now. If you were to get healthy down the line, I personally wouldn't claim that as some sort of victory. Oh, I I, I told you he he was going to get hurt. My concern was injury out the gate and 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 right off the bat. And so he hasn't been. He's made it through the first month completely healthy. I was wrong on that one. So I'm gonna take my L and I'm valuing uh, I'm valuing Keiko much higher right now. I'm thinking I'm still working. God, I know I've been promising these for a while and I, I just can't seem to I need to just put a number out or you know, put a list out there and be done with it in terms of updated pitcher rankings. But I keep tweaking, I keep tweaking, 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 and it's like it's never going to be perfect. But I'm thinking right now off the top of my head, or not really off the top of my head, after looking at it, Keiko's probably gonna be in the 30s, so he's looking at, you know, almost almost a 20 point jump for me. I had him 49th, and if I got him upper 30s, just under a 20 20 slot jump, 
maybe maybe it is top 30. Maybe I do slide him in there because I'm looking now at guys I had in the top 30 that definitely won't be there anymore. And you've got Kenta Maeda uh, out of there, Kyle Hendricks out of there. I I really should have just gone. And, and it's early, right? So I'm not saying anything's right or wrong 100%. But I was so out on, on Hendricks and I still slotted him 22nd. And I, I didn't really believe in that because I was taking guys below him uh, easily. You know, Stroman, Granke, Porcello, David Price, even with the injury, Danny Salazar, Aaron Sanchez. So I should have just had him down there. But either way, that's neither here nor there. Uh, we'll see what happens with Hendricks. <sighs> and we'll actually talk about him a little bit later. Obviously, he's going to be on the on the negative end of, of, of things. Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to have him just outside the top 30, but we'll see. I'm I'm up on Keiko though. Keiko looks a lot better. I feel like you can trust him. The ground ball rate's there. The swing and miss is there. He looks good. It looks healthy. Now the next four guys. This is more of an upper tier guy. He was he was in the top you know two or three tiers, kind of how you however you broke it down. Um, these other guys are all like mid to late tier guys that 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 have big moves right now. And I I'm seeing things from them that I'm encouraged by. The first one in that realm is Patrick Corbin. This was a guy I was in in on in the past, but uh, after last year, I just kind of backed off. I, I just wasn't seeing that uh, maybe he was going to get healthy again and to be kind of the guy that we saw. What was it back in 2013 now? Yeah, 2013 was his big breakout season, but then he bounced back in 15, his first season back from Tommy John. He looked pretty good for 85 innings, so I was hyped on him coming into last year. And it was just a disaster. He allowed too many home runs. He had a 5.15 ERA, despite uh, you know decent strikeout rate, but the walk rate nearly doubled. It went from 4.8 to 9.4 percent. So basically, 5 percent to 9 percent uh, with, with rounding there. You're, you're you're pretty close to doubling a walk rate. It's going to be tough to survive there, especially if you're giving up more home runs. Boom! All of a sudden, you're talking 5.15 ERA. Well, this year he looks a lot more like the 13 version. Strikeout rate 20 uh, percent. Walk rate, 7%. Swinging strike rate, career high, 12%. So again, missing bats, that's up from 9.5 last last year. I'm, I'm going to just start rounding. I, I don't know why I'm rounding some and, and, and giving the uh, the decimal on others. He's been 11 to 10% consistently, so up to 12%. It's not a massive jump. I don't want to overrate it, but it is a career high for Patrick Corbin. Velocity, I think, is up, and I say that because... I don't really know right now. I've been reading more stuff about the, about the velocity changes, and we, it's just hard to get a real read on it right now. So I'm going to give you what I think, and uh, and, and we'll, we'll kind of go from there. He was at 91.7 last year. Now I will give I will give the decimal on on velocity readings. Uh, 91.7 last year, and he's at 92.5 this year. So I think that's good, but it's it's probably close to maybe about equal. Either way. He looks healthier, too, when watching him pitch. doesn't seem to be laboring as much. The walk rate has come back down, and I think that that's a big key for Patrick Corbin. So I'm trusting him a bit more now, and I'm pretty pleased with what we're seeing. And if they do go ahead, I mean, I think this is 100%, so I'll say it as if it's definitely going to happen. When they put the humidor in, that should only help. That should only help the Diamondbacks pitchers. Uh, it'll hurt some of their hitters too, but I don't know if it's gonna. I don't know how much it's gonna hurt some of their guys that are just like power studs, no matter where you go. 
But uh, I think it's definitely going to help their pitchers. And so you're going to see guys like Corbin, Zach Granke. You know, they, they get a boost from that Taiwan Walker. Would have been Shelby Miller, but of course he's out. That's a huge bummer. So either way, I'm in on uh, on what, what Corbin's doing. So I've got him moved up as well. Where, where did I slot him? I slotted him at 102 coming into the season. I just wasn't just wasn't feeling confident enough to take him after after being in last year. And uh, I've got to move him up a, a good number of ranks here uh, with the update. Luis Severino is my next guy. And this was a guy I was not in on at all. I had him down at 126. I just wanted to see something. It, it, some of these guys, I, and I would make mention of this when talking about them or writing about them, I say it's a wait and see situation. So I'm, I'm going to kind of put them down here. And if something changes, I'll be quick to move on them. He was a guy that I said, you know, I'd, I'd be quick to move on if I saw something from him, and I've seen something. You know, he had that big first debut Luis Severino did, 2015, where he had a 289 ERA in 62 and a third innings, but that was so fraudulent. I, I, I was surprised at how many people kind of bought in on it. When you look at a 1-3 homer per nine, um, an okay 10% swinging strike rate, a, a not very good 9% walk rate, um, an above average but not blistering 22% strikeout rate like what merited a 289 ERA none of it and that that that's a situation where you look at the FIP and you're like okay this makes sense 437 FIP uh that that kind of makes sense so 2016 he comes up 71 innings i think they were uh, a couple different stints for severino in 2016 and he, and he got he got beat around pretty badly 583 ERA because uh the skills were virtually the same so you look at the FIP again, and it's 448. That's right in line with the 437. So if in 2015 he was overly lucky, he might have been a little bit unlucky last year to have a 583. But either way, he was a mid-fours guy each of those two seasons. But that's all right. He's a 21, 22-year-old kind of figuring it out. He's got the the raw velocity and, and, the, and the big moving slider that can be devastating when it's on, but kind of hangs there when it when it's not. It's all right that he had growing pains. That's why I didn't want to completely just uh, get rid of him. But my ranking was, I got to see something. Let's see where the 23-year-old Luis Severino is, and then I'll make a decision. Well, so far, it looks so good. And this is even, uh, I'm recording this after the uh, the devastation on Monday. He got he got beat up by Toronto, five, five runs and five and two-thirds, couple homers, only three strikeouts. That's okay. That's okay. You can, there's there's going to be bad starts. He's still a 23-year-old kind of figuring it out. So I didn't think that he was finished product guy who was going to be, you know, zero to three earned runs every start the rest of the way. That's all right. Tough outing. Toronto, you know, they've been having a, a tough season themselves, but they're, they're not, they're not going to roll over every night, especially on a division rival that they've seen a bit. So, um, that said, I'm not, I'm not moving off of Severino after the bad start. And in fact, if somebody wants to, then you, you take a look. You, you say you, you test the water. You say, okay, let's let's see let's see where the the Severino team owner is after a bad start. Are they looking to move out now, or are they still sticking with him and saying, okay, this is this is a a growth stock that I want to stick with. The skills have greatly changed. Now he still has a home run issue, and part of it could have been because Severino gave up two uh, in the start yesterday, May first. But he'd given up home runs in every outing but one. So the home run issue is still a problem. And he, he's starting to remind me of teammate Michael Michael Pineda, which can be a good and bad thing, of course, right? The, the consistency, the lack of command uh, is a problem for Pineda. And it could be a problem for a young Luis Severino. But the positive end is 
great strikeout rate. He's at 28% this year. Not walking guys this year has cut the walk rate down to 5%. Swinging strike rates up to a career high 11%. He's thrown at 97 miles per hour. If you do the adjustment, which I think is minus one, then it's it's the same as it's been, which is 96. Either way, it's it's over 95, which is elite. And you're looking at somebody who's starting to put it together and kind of see see what works. His sequencing is getting better, and uh, he's finding more success. So I believe in, in, in more of what we're seeing out of uh, Luis Severino so far, and so I think he merits a, a rankings upgrade even though I'm still kind of thinking of him as maybe now a high threes guy. And that's where both his ERA and FIP are right now uh, because of the home run issue. What I do like, though, what I re- the, the format where I would really love somebody like Luis, Luis Severino is head-to-head because you're going to get more good than bad. And so I don't, I really like those guys that they can go seven scoreless, six innings, one run, you know, they they do that sort of stuff with regularity. And then they have the one blow up, the one blow up and head to head only hurts me for this week, right? If you know, talking about the one that happened on May 1st, that only hurts me for this week. And if it doesn't, if the rest of my team can kind of rally around him, then maybe it doesn't even hurt me. So it's a situation where I, I like those kind of volatile young guys with the with the really high upside for head-to-head leagues especially. Uh, but I'm not I'm not running away from him in Roto either. So Luis Severino is definitely somebody I'm interested in. The next one is a guy that – chat. Y'all, y'all hooked me up. Those of you that listen to the podcast and come into my chats, y'all hooked me up. Uh, I, I, someone mentioned J.C. Ramirez. And said, what do you think about him? I went and looked at his profile real quick. I completely glossed over the fact that he'd started four games. And I said, maybe he could take that job from um, from Bud Norris. He's a, he's a decent save spec. Completely missing that he'd gone into the rotation. West Coast bias, man. I, I wasn't even paying attention to what was going on uh, with the Angels. And I missed it. I, I, I plumb missed it. So, uh, you know, they, of course, rallied, uh, you know, said, hey, idiot, what are you doing? Uh, is he gonna, how's he going to take the closer's job if he's pitching the first five or six innings of the game? You're a dumb human. I'm like, whoa, I'm not that dumb. Don't be so mean. But I was wrong. So I took my L, and I went and reassessed, and I said, damn, there is, there is something here. I am intrigued by this. Uh, you're looking at J.C. Ramirez here, and since going into the rotation, He's been every bit as good as he was in, in the bullpen and maybe even a little bit better. I've been really impressed with, with the numbers that I saw here. I went and looked at two of his condensed games. The one uh, at Texas, which was on, uh, was that Sunday or Saturday? I think it was Sunday, Sunday the, the 30th. And then the one before that against Oakland, seven shutout innings. So he went five and a third, two earned, nine strikeouts at Texas, seven shutouts, seven strikeouts, home to Oakland. And Again, I was pretty impressed. The velocity was definitely there. He was sitting mid-90s, pumping it up 96, 97 at times. He is a three-pitch guy, but it's two breaking balls. So that's kind of interesting to me. There isn't exactly a change-up. But he can kind of keep guys off balance with two breaking balls. So so I, I don't know that lefties are definitely going to, you know, beast out on him just because he doesn't have a change-up. They've definitely been... um, They've they've been better among among the two sides of the plate against him, but I do think it is a situation where J.C. Ramirez is going to be able to kind of keep lefties at bay uh, at least a bit, uh, as long as he keeps them in the yard. That's going to be the key. Don't 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 hang those slide. Don't frisbee slider, hanging curve, uh, and let them go yard on you while you're dominating the righties. 
But if you are, make sure they're solo shots. But either way, I think we got something here, even for deeper mixed leagues, definitely for AL only. Obviously, he's scooped up there, but I'm talking about, you know, he's probably picked up in all the leagues where he's viable, JC Ramirez is for, for the Angels. But I'm talking about if you're looking to acquire him, if somebody's trying to sell him, I think it's something I would I would take a look at. 28% strikeout rate, uh, 8% walk rate, 12% swinging strike rate. Those are all those are all strong. And if you want what they are as a, as a starter, let me give them to you. It's actually 32% as a starter for the strikeout rate, same 8% walk rate. And let me get a swinging strike rate as a starter. It's been 14%. So as Eno's piece says, the headline is JC Ramirez got better as a starter. And it's true. So far, he has been better as a starter than he was as a reliever. He's got some devastating stuff. Um, command is an issue. And, and that's not completely unexpected uh, for, for a guy like this, transitioning from the rota- from the uh, bullpen to the rotation. He's not a young guy. He's 28. But the reason that he was a uh, reliever in the majors for his first three seasons in 13, 15, and 16, he didn't make the majors in 14. I don't know if he was hurt. I don't have a great backlog on J.C. Ramirez. Y'all. I'm not going to BS y'all and pretend like I know uh, everything about him now because I didn't even know he was starting, for crying out loud. But the research I've done has me intrigued and and reading Eno's article uh, I came away thinking you know what maybe there's a maybe there's a little bit here uh, when when a guy's got that kind of movement at 96 97 it's something to keep an eye on so keep an eye on JC Ramirez in your deeper leagues if he is available go ahead and scoop him um, not 10 I don't think so with 10 10 team mixers maybe 12 team mixers depending on how how uh, how desperate you are, how many injuries you've you've taken on, uh, J.C. Ramirez could could be an addition for you. Jason Vargas is my last positive guy here, and I already wrote about him, so I'm gonna I would direct you to that article to kind of get details about what's changed. But just kind of looking at it statistically. This change sort of started last year, but he only threw 12 innings. So it was, you know, it's three starts. Didn't really want to give too much uh, credence to three starts before he gets hurt. But he had started missing bats more and and really working his fastball off of the changeup. The changeup's been a plus pitch uh, pretty much throughout his career. Like that, he's always had that, and that's kind of how you can survive as long as he has. He's put up 1,253 major league innings of a 4.11 ERA. You got to have something, right? We know he doesn't have velocity. Jason Vargas is 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 kind of an uh, 86 to 88 mile per hour sort of guy. Maybe he can bump 89, 90 at times, but for the most part, he's he's mid to high 80s. So it's obviously not his fastball that's that's winning for him. It is the changeup, and the changeup has been plus. But right now, it's playing as a plus plus pitch. The way he playing the fastball off of it he's really kind of um utilizing the the idea of effective velocity which is um you know where you place the ball how it looks to different hitters and and i think that running the fastball up and in is kind of making it look a little bit faster and and the fact that that changeup is so good that when he when he then shifts to the changeup they're thinking, oh, God, here comes that fastball again. Nope, I'm swinging through the changeup. So I've been impressed with what I've seen. Um, the, the the conclusion in my article was that it's something that you can ride, you know, ride the train right now with, with uh, ride the wave, the train, what? Ride the wave right now with uh, with Jason Vargas and don't jump off immediately after the, the, the first bad start. You know, he had a hiccup 
at the White Sox, who is actually uh, the team that's actually hitting pretty well, where he allowed uh, four runs, three of them earned seven hits in five innings, but he had five strikeouts. And then he faced them again, and he was better in terms of results, six innings, one run, but, but three walks and only one strikeout. So, you know, those two starts in tandem – they're, they're definitely not uh, not the uh, Jason Vargas that we've gotten used to seeing. In fact, that last outing was just a 4% swinging strike rate. That's what I'm saying about don't jump off immediately after the first bad start, though. I would want to continue to see how he's pitching. Now, obviously, you take the risk of getting saddled with like a two-inning, nine-run sort of outing. And, and I understand that you don't want that. But honestly, that can kind of happen to anybody that... It can happen to anybody legitimately, obviously. We we know that that can happen to a superstar. Uh, the the probability of it happening to a superstar is lower. But with these with these mid and in in back tier guys, it's a risk you take. I don't think that that's going to happen to Vargas, where he's going to be that bad. I think he might have a five or a six earned run outing in there at some point. But you're not you're not expecting a one forty two ERA for the season, right? If he can give you. If it, well, there's Charlotte. She disagrees. She thinks that Vargas is way better. All right. Sorry, Charlotte. She picked him up in a 10-team league. Oh, my God. What an idiot. Charlotte's so stupid. Um, but, no, you're, you're not expecting, obviously, a 142 ERA. But I think we could see, like, a 350 bottom line this year, maybe even a 350 the rest of the way. So stick with Vargas. Uh, I think the swing and miss is, is the biggest factor here. And if you do start to see that slip away and we start to see multiple um, 4% swinging strike rate games in a row, then you start to make a move. But as it stands right now, I'm holding firm with Jason Vargas. What's going on, Charlotte? Now she's coming in the office. You got something to say about Jason Vargas? Now she's just looking at me like I'm an idiot, which I am. So good on her. She's smart. She knows what's up. Anyway, those are the five guys that I've, that I've moved up. I've moved up the rankings substantially. I know that's kind of a nebulous term because I don't have a, a pinpointed number on it. But uh, I'm looking at them and I'm saying, you know what? They got to get a bump up. Dallas Keuchel, Patrick Corbin, Luis Severino, J.C. Ramirez, Jason Vargas. I'm out there. I'm open to trading for them. I'm open to picking them up in leagues where they're available. But by and large, I'm just saying, you know what? I trust some of what they've done here. I've got a different outlook on them. Now, some of the early studs that you might have expected to be on a list like this, I was kind of already in on. If I can, if I can pat myself on the back here a little bit, I'm a, I'm taking some L's, but I want to I want to get some W's as well. James Paxton, um, obviously, again, I was not alone, but I was very high on him in my bull predictions. He was a potential top 15 starting pitcher, so I'm very very high on him. He is an absolute beast, and I'm, I'm, I'm fully there with what, with what he's doing. Not expecting a, a 139 ERA all year, but I wouldn't be surprised by a sub three. So I would buy, too. That's, that's the thing as well. Even though he's at a peak, I would buy high. I would see what somebody wants, and it would be reasonable. I'm not going to go crazy and give you know Mike Trout, but I'm, I'm open. I, I want to hear what, what somebody that's selling him wants in a buy-high situation. Urban Santana was a guy... Again, he's out of his mind right now. I, I, I don't even think you can see his ERA. It's too small, not perceivable by the uh, by the human eye. Let me see. I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. But this was a guy that I, I, I liked. So that's what I mean by I, I was in on. I, I, I wasn't predicting a .77 ERA, and obviously that's not going to stick. But he had a .338 ERA last year for 181 innings. Frankly, I just didn't understand why he was going so low. And then another one is uh, Ivan Nova. That was a guy that you know I'd mentioned 
that I really do like, and I, I, I had him pretty high in my rankings. I had him 54th. I was easily the highest among the team. I might bump him up a little bit more, but um, I didn't feel like I needed to highlight him as, as one of these kinds of guys because I was already in on him to start the season. All right, now let's talk about some guys that, that I've had to downshift on. These, these are pitchers that I either liked a lot coming into the year and now I'm making a move, or uh, you know maybe I was kind of mediocre on, but I, I still I just have to make a downgrade because of because of what they're doing so far. Let's start with Matt Harvey. <sighs> Good old Matt Harvey. Now I peaked with him at forty, so I don't think that that's too out of bounds. Um, I wasn't even the highest, you know, among the group there. We had some people put 30, 34, 38, 39, 51 was the low. I think that's. Jeff, yeah, Jeff Adam as the low, and then um, I was second lowest at forty. I was starting to bump him up late on my board in draft season a little bit because he he was he was popping the the, the glove at ninety five plus and and looking like himself in, in in spring training. That said, even though I was moving him up, I didn't end up with him anywhere, and thankfully, uh, th- th- thankful I'm thankful for that because it hasn't looked good, and the skills aren't there, um, and the velocity. Could be way down. Again, I say could because we are a little bit sketchy on these velocity readings. But he's at 93.8. And if we're saying take them all down and uh, 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 one one mile per hour to kind of match with previous years, then we're going from 94.5 to 92.8 if that's the, the measurement that we have to make. But either way, even beyond the velocity, the skills just aren't there. We're looking at an 8% swinging strike rate, a 15% strikeout rate, and an 8% walk rate. Those are all career worsts. 1.8 homer per nine ratio. Holy cow, that's terrible. And so I, I'm just I'm concerned at this point. And part of part of why I was starting to bump him up was because I wanted to believe. I want I want I want good Matt Harvey out there. And, you know, that said, I, st- I still didn't end up with him anywhere. And I wasn't beating the drum of, like, you must get Matt Harvey, I, like I was the year before when I rated him uh, number three overall among pitchers. I just, I don't know what we've got here right now. And, and I want to be clear that actually, if you kind of look and, and, and you back out that Atlanta start from last week, his numbers aren't, aren't that bad when you look at results. 284 ERA and 25 and a third innings because his first four starts, he didn't allow a whole lot of runs. But he had allowed five home runs. Uh, the strikeout-to-walk ratio wasn't that great. And so, honestly, the Atlanta start was a little bit of comeuppance in regards to kind of matching his skills or matching his results to where the skills had been, which is not that great. So, you know, I'm, I'm moving Harvey down. Like I said, I got him at 40 uh, in the last update of the of the season. I probably was having him around 35-ish uh, by the time the end of draft season hit. And I'll move him down at least 10. I, I, I think I might still keep him in the top 50 just because I, I, I don't want to overreact. But at the same time, I don't know that he's given me a lot of reason to kind of stick with him. So I'm moving Matt Harvey down. I, I'm sure a lot of folks are. I don't think I would really buy low either unless the price was obscene. Unless somebody's just flat out quitting and they're mad and they're like, you know what? You can have him and, and I'll take, uh, you know. Drew Smiley or something who's not even pitching right now. You know, I, I'm saying if it's something crazy, then okay. Everyone has their price. But if it's a reasonable buy low where they're just kind of offering you a couple round discount, I don't think so, Tim. This one hurts. This next one hurts. And I did have him 35th overall coming in. 
But I'm making a move on Kevin Gosman. Um, I've been a, I've been as big a backer as anybody out there. It's just not coming together, man. It's it's just not. And I don't see a lot of reason for hope right now. He's still giving up too many homers. In fact, the most of his career, 1.8. Now, it, now, after a month, you have to be careful with something like a home run ratio because that, that can be influenced by a couple bad starts. It's funny because his first three starts of the season, he didn't give up a single homer, and then he's given up one, three, and two in his last three outings. So, again, I, I acknowledge that piece, but homers have just always been an issue. And then this year, walks have become an issue. He's doubled his walk rate from 6% to 12%, and the strikeout rate has evaporated from 23 to 14%. And and there's a corresponding drop in swinging strike rate for it. There's a corresponding... Well, no, there's not a corresponding drop in first pitch strike rate. In fact, his first pitch strike rate has always been suspect and has kind of uh, suggested that maybe the walk rates that he was holding were a little bit suspect, not because first pitch strike rate automatically determines your uh, your walk rate, but it makes it hard when you're getting behind, uh, you know, 45 to 50 percent of the time, and he has a 56 percent first pitch strike rate right now. When you're when you're getting behind that regularly, it's hard to not walk guys. And I think a lot of times, in exchange for not walking batters, he was just giving up hits, uh, sometimes home runs, and so that's why he had high whips. Either way, I'm just I gotta move Gossman down. And the, the the comp that really is 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 kind of fitting for me is is Nathan Eovaldi, another guy that I absolutely loved and kept giving chances to because I loved the raw stuff and I'm like, oh he's you know, he's so close because if he if he can develop this pitch, then it'll be all right. You know, the the thing with uh with the Evaldi was um if he could have developed a, a changeup it would have been really interesting to see well then he then he does develop a split finger changeup and it was actually a pretty legitimate pitch for him well then then some of his other stuff starts to, starts to get wobbly the fastball starts to straighten out a little bit and the fastball command wasn't there uh and then maybe the slider wasn't working on a given day when the split finger was you could just never get it all going in the right direction uh for nathan involved now of course he's dealing with tommy john we'll see what happens when he comes back he'll probably be 28 years old and, uh, and and we'll and we'll see what's what, but Gosman at this point is 26 years old, and we've seen flashes, legitimate flashes in in every season of hey this guy could this guy could be the dude, but it never it never fully comes to fruition, and I just don't know that we're seeing the advancements that we need to. He just can't um, can't do anything against righties. It seems he has a reverse platoon split because that slider doesn't seem to 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 work for him i i just i don't know i'm at a loss right now and i don't really know what to make of kevin gosman so i've got to bump him down though i can't i can't be out there you know and not only that but degree of difficulties upped because he has to do it in the al east and you know he was surviving there these last couple of years 361 era in 180 innings it's pretty nice last year with a 23 percent strikeout rate but the home run rate puts that in peril. Anytime you have home run issues, even if you're pitching well and you have good skills, you can you can put your ERA at risk, let alone the fact that if your skills back up, you're in deep trouble. And right now we're seeing Gosman is in deep trouble. As for his velocity, it's probably about even, maybe a half tick down. 94.7 last year, 95.1 this year. Do the, uh, do the adjustment, you're talking about 94.1. So, you know, you're probably about a half tick to maybe a full tick down. That's not panic, 
but uh, it is down in line with you know everything else being down. So Kevin Gosman, somebody I gotta move down at this point. Now the next three guys are all lower tier guys that you didn't put a big investment in, and frankly, in a lot of leagues, you might have already cut them. And if not, if you're still hanging on, you know, in your 10 and 12 team, you can definitely cut them. If somebody popped up in a 15 team mix that you just had to have, you could probably cut them in those league formats too. The first one is Zach Davies, and you know, he had a really strong season last year for what he is, which is which is a number four at best and maybe a number five uh, MLB pitcher. 163 innings of a 3.97 ERA with the skills to support it. 20% strikeout rate, 6% walk rate. Um, you know, he's he's a contact management sort of guy, but he does allow some homers. And and you know, when that contact isn't being managed, you can be in some trouble. And they are hitting the ball. The opposition is hitting the ball harder against him this year. 38% hard contact rate. And it's resulting in a lot more uh, trouble just, just left and right. He's allowed a 328 batting average right now. Um, and that's on a uh, 37. Not one of those ones that you're like, when it's, when it's at like 460, you're like, okay, well, that has to come down. You know, um, eventually that's going to come down. A 378 isn't necessarily due for a sharp drop. Unless that pitcher improves, like I think he could go through a full season with a 378, and it wouldn't be, you know, completely out of bounds. I'm trying to look. I think actually, um, good old Nathan Eovaldi's had a season like that, where he had like a 370 something for a full year. You look at the top guy last year, uh, Robbie Ray at 352, Michael Pineda 339. Those are the top guys in the AL and NL respectively. And that's because of their command and uh, they allowed hits. Maybe there was some bad luck in there, but a lot of it was their own doing. Davies might have some bad luck here, but I think a lot of it's his own doing. He doesn't throw hard. And if they make him come back into the zone, which they are, this is a hyper, uh, a hyper Keiko reaction. We saw last year, again, I mentioned that even if you'd given him full health, the league had adjusted to him a bit and they were making him come back in the zone. They weren't biting on on the uh, the stuff outside of the zone nearly as much. Well, this year they are because the stuff is so devastating that he's being he's being they're being tricked. Like it, it's it's fooling them. Last year it wasn't fooling them as much. Davies is having that to a higher degree. 30% O swing rate last year. That's out of the zone swing rate. Um, and this year it's down to 25%. So they're saying bring that bring that 88, 89 mile per hour uh, sinker back into the zone, buddy, and let's see what you got. And then he does, and they're like, yeah, he ain't got much, buddy. And 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 they're knocking him around, and he's getting behind. Uh, 54% first pitch strike rate after a 62% last year for Zach Davies. He already had no margin for error on his swinging strike rate at 8%. Um, now this is one where I will use the decimals because it it is down like a tick, um, 8.4 to 7.5. If you round, it's 8% either way. So it's not down that much. But again, when you have no margin, any little drop can be can be amplified here. So there's just a lot going on here in the negative for Zach Davies, and I don't know. I just I. I I've cut him in some leagues already. I only had him in a couple leagues. One, I had him on the bench the entire time, so that wasn't bad. I wasn't getting hit with those uh, with those bad outings. And, you know, he's looked better in his last two. He had five shutout innings against Cincinnati with six strikeouts, one walk. That was really nice. Then five innings, two runs 
against the the Cardinals, but they were both solo shots. So he might be turning around a little bit. That's why maybe in the 15-teamers, you, you still hang on. But 10- and 12-teamers, I think you move on. I just don't think there's enough here to keep Zach Davies. And i I got to bump him down my rankings for sure. This next one also hurts me. The, the, the Gosman and this one, Jarrell Cotton, are tough because these are guys that I was really high on. And I wanna, you know, I wanna stay patient and see see what comes to fruition with my pick. But at the same time, I gotta be honest and, and say, listen, things have changed. These skills are bad, and they might they might get better, and and things might look better down the line. And I can I can readjust again then. But at this point, you can't hang on to Jarrell Cotton in in really any format but AL only. Um, the swinging strike rate just isn't there, and that's one thing. I thought he'd still be able to miss bats. He's got a decent enough fastball, devastating changeup. That changeup is filthy. And then uh, the, the good cutter and curve, you know, so deep arsenal with a true plus-plus pitch. That changeup is so good that I thought he would miss bats, but he's just not. And, again, it's a situation where they're waiting him out. They're saying, we're not going to flail at that change. We're not going to flail at that spike curve you got to bring it back in the zone. Now, last year he had that brilliant September. It's 29 innings. That's why you don't get too hyped on 29 innings. 38% O swing rate. Well, this year it's down to 26%. And so, you know, I didn't think he was necessarily going to maintain a 38%, but something in the low 30s I thought he could because his stuff is so good that it, it, it would challenge guys and, and, and get them to chase. It's not happening. So he's got a 16% strikeout rate, 10% walk rate, and only an 8 8.4, swinging strike rate. So it's all uh, gone the other way from what we saw in, in September last year. So he's got two months, one really amazing, one really bad. Here's the thing. You look at the, the FIP, and again, I know not everybody likes FIP, and I don't use it blindly and just say, oh, look at his FIP, he's good. Look at his FIP, he's bad. I don't do that. But if you look, last year the FIP was 376 in that in that big September that he had. This year it's 3.52. So, you know, he's not as good as, as last September. He's probably not as bad as this April. So there's going to be some adjustments. I think he'll be all, all better. I, don't, I was going to say all right, but I, that implies that I think you should hold him in all leagues and, and he'll straighten it out. I don't necessarily think that. I think in 10-team leagues you can move on, find somebody else. If you haven't already, 12-team leagues, you can probably do the same. Like I said, AL only, deeper mixers. I think you hang on, though. Maybe he's just more of a upper threes ERA sort of guy, though. Maybe maybe he will get the strikeouts going again, and 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 things will get on track, and he'll have a nice run. But maybe it's a three seventy five ERA this year. And I thought it could be better, to be honest. I I thought he could have a, a, a rookie season where it was better. I was really excited about him, and I still have some of that excitement for sure. I'm not completely done with Jarrell Cotton, but in terms of my ranking, my outlook, and, and what I'm telling people to trade for and, and, and get, I've had to move them down. So Jarrell Cotton's moved down. You want to start looking elsewhere um, in your shallower leagues uh, if you've got Cotton. And then the last one to wrap us up here is Robert Giselman. This was a guy that, you know, I didn't have a great feel for coming in, into the uh, into draft season, so I did some research, and I came away thinking, you know what, this is pretty pretty solid guy. I think he could be a nice um, four with maybe some number three upside, and we're talking real life four and three as opposed to fantasy, and so that kind of puts him in that you know five five range, um, you know for for your fantasy team where 
maybe you're you're spotting him in some in some uh, areas. You want to sit him against some tough opponents, or maybe going out to Coors, of course, like that. But for the most part, you can trust him. We just haven't seen it. Like it just hasn't been that way this year. And I don't know if he's hurt too, because everybody on that team seems to be hurt. He's still getting his ground balls, uh, but nothing else is really there. the The velocity could be way down again, ninety three seven to ninety two eight. Do the adjustment. You're maybe talking ninety one eight. That could be two ticks, and it's showing in his in his swinging strike rate for sure. 7% down from 9% last year and a corresponding drop from 23 to 18% on the strikeout rate. And so he's just he's labored. He's had good good outings, Giselman has, but he's just labored through too many of them. Um his last two in particular against Atlanta, he's given up five earned in both of them. So Atlanta's beaten him up. You know, Miami crushed him in Miami for eight runs. Thankfully only for him, only four of them were earned in four and two thirds. Um, his first start of the season was against Miami, and it wasn't too bad. Five innings, three runs, seven strikeouts. So he's shown the flashes, but now in his last nine innings, just two strikeouts, and those are the two starts against Atlanta with 16 hits. It's concerning. There's definitely some concern here uh, for Giselman when you can factor in the uh, the velocity drop as well. Again, I wasn't, I don't think, overly high on him coming into the season. I had him at uh, 86 uh, that was second on the team. Justin Mason had him at 77. I probably should have had him maybe a little bit lower. Um, and I probably will. Uh, or not probably, I will. I will have him down lower uh, when I do my updates because I'm just I'm concerned about what we're seeing here. And again, it might, similar to Cotton, uh, just might have been overrated after after a, a good debut. Now, he went 44 and two-thirds innings. I think it was like 25 innings for uh, for Cotton. And if you look... His skills kind of matched his performance. 242 ERA, 263 uh, fit for, for Giselman last year because he was missing bats at a 23% clip. He did have that gaudy ground ball rate. Uh, but, you know, he did have a 325 BABIP and an 81% left on base rate. You had to expect both of those to, to, to come down a little bit. And how, how real was a .2 homer per nine rate? Well, he didn't allow a whole lot of homers in the minors, so I thought there was some realness to it. Uh, he's at 1.0 so far this year, Giselman is. I don't know what, where he is necessarily. I don't know if he's if he's more uh, cl- closer to 1 or closer to the uh, to the point 0.2. I would, I would say probably closer to the 1, though. Um, so I, I am concerned about Giselman. i got to move him down. I'm really only keeping him in NL formats or benching him in, in you know, like 15-team mixers with, with the benches, 10 and 12 team. Maybe spot him down the line if he starts to look better, but I'm not keeping him. I'm, I'm, I'm outright cutting him. All right, so there's 10 guys that, uh, that, I, that I've changed my tune on. Uh, I am still working on the SP rankings. I just need to get them done. I really just need to put up one, let you guys uh, tear them apart, see where, see where we're at get an assessment after one month. So I, I plan to get that done this week because I've been promising it now for a couple weeks. I was going to do one early and I was like, well, why are you going to do one after a week? That one's stupid. But then um, I, I probably should have had one ready for May 1st. It would have been perfect. It was a Monday, but I'm a clown. So I will I will try to get one done this week, a new pitcher ranking of at least the top 100 uh, with some commentary on, on, on different guys that moved. And hopefully this helps you a little bit to kind of see where I'm at on some different players. And, of course, if you have questions about specific pitchers, go ahead and leave them in the comment or hit me on, on, on Twitter at Spore. That's S-P-O-R-E-R. Again, we're, get, we're starting to get to the three to four episodes a week. There's going to be a solo, Eno, Jason, 
that's for sure. And then the guest episode will be dependent on the guests that I have. And so um, booking has been a little bit challenging with a few of these guys trying to iron out our schedules. But once we get once we get a backlog going where we've got you know three or four in the can of of the uh, um, of the guest episodes, then it'll be good to go. So we're looking for four consistently, but three for sure. Okay. So anyway, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back Thursday with 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 Eno.